Imagine this scene. You're out at nighttime, you're going around, and you're looking for something, and you're not quite sure if you found it just yet. You're there for minutes, you're there for hours, and they seem to drag by with ever slower momentum. And then eventually, you start to see a glimmer of hope. You look on the horizon, you start to see that things are starting to shift from black to a very dark blue, and then more towards a light one. Eventually, you start to see hues of orange and pink on the horizon, and eventually you start to see that lightning bright yellow, and eventually the orange of the sun appears and crests the horizon. Indeed, this is an experience that often many of us here, we are very familiar with. It's one that often warms our hearts and fills it with that warmth because it's something that we enjoy. It's something that brings us that sort of peace and that security that we've come to the light of yet another day. That the darkness of light has, night has been banished and we're in that, immersed in that light and that beauty and that radiance of the sun. And it's not an experience that we're all together unfamiliar with, but one that we likely experience from time to time, and sometimes with a fair amount of repetition. But nonetheless, it's an important part of our life, that we are filled with joy and we're filled with that peace and that security in seeing the light of that sun. And I dare say, my brothers and sisters, tonight we experience the very same thing. It's no mistake that light is the very element that we're using this very night several different times throughout the liturgy. Because, in fact, this is the night that we experience the light of Christ in a very new and very, very bountiful way. Because the night of sin and that night of death and destruction is long done away with by the power of Christ and by the power of his resurrection. But the liturgy itself tries to paint this out for us in ever-vivid color. At the very beginning, you walked into church and it was dark, much darker than normal. And this is with intent. This is with purpose. Because it's showing us what life would be like if we entered the tomb without Jesus Christ and without his resurrection. And whenever we enter, we're filled with a certain hollowness. We're filled with a certain dread because we don't see it very clearly and we don't see with that vividness that we would see with light or with the sun. And yet, nonetheless, we enter into that darkness. And we were left in that darkness last night as we concluded Good Friday service. That we were left in that darkness of wondering where we are going to turn, what was going to happen, much like the disciples would have felt that day, that they were plunged into that darkness. But then the service begins this evening, and it begins with this very vivid fire, that reminder of the hope that was always there from the very beginning, and it hollows and it shows us in a very way of foreshadowing the way that our Lord continues to give us that hope, even in the midst of darkness. And then we start to go through the readings, and notice the very first one is from the book of Genesis, the very beginning of the book of Genesis, and it tells us that account of creation, that even there we find that element of darkness, and yet all of a sudden God starts to work in that darkness. That the Spirit is there and it starts to give us light, it starts to give us land, it starts to give us sea, it starts to give us all sorts of living creatures, and eventually the crowning jewel of all of creation, mankind himself. Indeed, God enters into that darkness, and he casts it out, and he creates a lot of light. But we know that that's not the end of the story, because shortly after that, things go awry. Things don't go quite as expected, and Adam and Eve deviate from that plan of salvation, and all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place of utter depravity, unable to restore ourselves back to relationship with God. 
And there again we find that darkness. But even in the darkness, the Lord is still working. Because we hear the next reading from the book of Exodus. Shortly after they've been released from captivity to Egypt, the Egyptians realize, what have we done? Why have we let the Israelites go forward from our midst? And so they start to chase after them. And the Israelites are understandably filled with fear and with every sort of terror because they see the Egyptians running in pursuit of them. And they're filled with that dread because they know that the Egyptians mean captivity. And yet the Lord works in their midst. He throws out that pillar of fire and that pillar of cloud that blocks the Egyptians from coming ever closer to them. And what's more, whenever they reach that Red Sea, that place where the Israelites feel like they're cut off completely, there's no hope of escape. And the Egyptians think that they have the Israelites in captivity once again. But all of a sudden the Lord works and he parts the Red Sea and allows the Israelites to go through. And that, if that wasn't enough of a miracle, then all of a sudden, as soon as the Israelites have crossed through safely, the waters converge again in the midst of the sea and crush the Egyptians, those captors, and those that were seeking to put Israel back into captivity yet again. So powerful was God's hope, and so powerful was that light in the midst of that darkness, that the Lord continued to lead his people through the waters, those waters that represent and foreshadowed baptism, that he wanted to move them through and continue to give them his hope, his salvation, but ultimately his light. Then we move on to the book of the prophet Isaiah, and here we see this simple encouragement, all you who are thirsty, come to the water. We're very familiar with this in a temporal way, that we know that when we thirst, we go and we simply find water and we drink until we're satisfied. But then we have to come back again and again and again, that this cycle never ceases to repeat itself. And yet there's a water that is abundant, and that is the waters of rebirth and of baptism. And again, Isaiah may not have quite known exactly what he was spelling out at the time, but that doesn't necessarily matter because he's prophesying that the waters of baptism are going to be there in abundance to give people not only who thirst for a temporal way, but thirst in a spiritual way, that it's going to give them that water that truly satisfies their thirst. And what's more, it's going to give them that rebirth that is beyond all telling, that's beyond the wildest imagination that they might have had at the time, but nonetheless, it gives them that encouragement and it gives them that ability to be reborn in the spirit and in life. But we also see that reality that it is encouraging those to come out of darkness and to really cast aside those works of wickedness, but to truly seek after the Lord in a new way, to really seek after him to continue to renew their hearts, renew their minds, and see the ways that those waters of rebirth are really calling them forward. And then we move to the Gloria, and this is the moment where all of the lights are thrown on and the candles are lit, and we sing the Gloria for the first time since we begun the season of Lent, reminding us of that very moment that night, whenever the Lord threw open the grave and even threw death into chaos and confusion, because he even turned it back on its head, that he threw death back and he threw sin away because of the power of his resurrection. Indeed, death had no power over him, and it became very clear and very evident that night. We continue on in the readings, and we continue with that epistle, that letter of St. Paul to the Romans, and it reminds us that if we've been baptized, we're baptized into Christ's death so that we might rise again. It seems like a contradictory element or a contradictory sort of indication that we're baptized into death, but indeed we are. 
Because it takes that old person, that old self, and it casts it aside and tells about the new person that wants to take root in our hearts and in our souls. Then, in fact, it wants to take that life of old and to cast it to the side so that we can live in that life of reborn children that are reborn in water, in the Spirit, and in Jesus Christ and His resurrection. So in the epistle, we're given that encouragement to live as those children that are reborn, that are washed in the waters of baptism, and indeed claimed as Christ's own body, and even as children of God. Then we finally arrive at the gospel telling us what has happened this very night, that it gives us very vivid imagery, that it tells us about that moment whenever the stone was rolled to the side, the Lord came out from the tomb, and indeed had risen. And he goes forward, and as if it wasn't enough, he gives evidence to his disciples, telling them to go forward to Galilee, and there he, they will see him. Indeed, this is something that is unheard of to this time. No one rises from the grave. No one rises from the dead. No one that has been dead for three days is coming back. And yet Jesus Christ himself does, because he wants to see each and every one of us rise from our graves as well. Because, my brothers and sisters, the core and the essential message of tonight is that we do live in a world of darkness. We live in a world of chaos and confusion. We live in a world that largely knows not where it's headed. It doesn't have a clear, definite end. It's not certain what is going to fill it to the brim with happiness. And yet we know the one who is going to give us happiness. We know what our final end is. We know what is the source of our joy and the source of our very life. And not just life now, but life forever and for life in eternity. That's Jesus Christ himself. And we celebrate that in a very beautiful way tonight. Because it gives us that ability to remember and to recall that moment that Jesus Christ showed that even death and sin has no power over him and consequently has no power over us. But my brothers and sisters, we have to choose to live this life. We have to choose to be baptized. We have to choose to be reborn in the Spirit. We have to choose to live out that baptismal identity. We have to choose to be children of the light. Because I dare say the sun is rising again. It's, the church is giving us this moment to consider that the darkness of sin and of death is largely being cast aside, and it's giving us that opportunity yet again to renew ourselves in pursuing Christ and his light. But my brothers and sisters, that's a choice we have to make. But why wouldn't we make it? Because we see the way that Jesus Christ is changing life and changing it for the better. The way that he's filling our hearts and our souls up in the ways that they th that it thirsts for so long. And the ways that it can never be truly satisfied without Christ. Why wouldn't we choose life in Christ and life in that spirit? Because my brothers and sisters, this very night, the grave is rolled open and we're given that source of light and life eternal. But we have to continue to choose that in, in our own hearts and our own souls. But I dare say we should also be willing to go and tell a world that's largely hurting and thirsting for that light itself. That we know there are so many of our brothers and sisters out there who need Christ's light in their life. That in many ways we know that we need Christ's light not just in the past, not just at this present moment, but even in the future, even in those circumstances that we go through in daily life. And we know that Christ Jesus wants to fill those voids. But how much more do we know our brothers and sisters, and how much more do we know friends and family that need that light of Christ as well? Because this isn't just something that we receive and keep to ourselves. But my brothers and sisters, if we truly believe in that light of Christ, it's something that we should be willing to go forward and to tell the entire world about. 
Because much like that sunrise, we see that it's casting aside the darkness of night, that darkness of chaos, confusion, of sin, and of death. And that Christ is coming and he's bathing the entire world in his light and in vivid color. My brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ has truly risen. Let's go tell the world about that.